We are Rogue Media Sports. Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. John Gallagher just finished up 12 years as a head basketball coach at Hartford. He took the university to its first ever NCAA tournament. I've known John for a long time. He is a scrappy guy on the court. I knew him as a player and just as scrappy off it. And he's a man of integrity. It's about basketball. It's about life. And there are lessons to be learned in this conversation. Also, entertaining as can be. John Gallagher, my man, coming up. This has got to be the first time that you haven't been in organized basketball since you resigned before the 22-23 season. Since when? When's the last time you weren't a part of an organized basketball operation? Um, 1995, when I transferred from Catholic U to uh, St. Joe's. Um, I, I actually thought about this the other day. I haven't been, uh, for over 28 years, I've been, you know, 27 years, 27 years, I've been with the team. So this is the first year sort of haven't had a team. So it's very, it's a, it's definitely uh, a different feeling. Yeah. I mean, I talked to you and you still have that incredible charisma. You know, you got your squad, your kids almost, right? Uh, where you get to I got be, the four kids and yeah, you get to be the best coach of the century of you know with them. You get to be a Hall of Famer, and you also get to one thing I wanted to ask you is, you are a part of that big time coaching fraternity, and during moments like this, you know, I got a chance to talk to Porter Moser last week, Coach Oklahoma, a very very good friend of yours, and he's still yep. you're still on the phone with that guy. You know, three times a day, as he told me. I said, I said, hey, I'm from Delaware County. He said, Johnny Gal. I said, yeah. <laughs> but what's it like to still be a part of that fraternity and to be able to lean on guys like that? You know, it's really special. Obviously, uh, I watch it. You know, the one thing I do now more than ever is I've never watched this much basketball. See, when you have your own team, it's just you're in your own bunker. It's your team. It's your players, it's the support staff, it's 30 people in this organization that you're running, and it's constant communication. You're probably sleeping, you know, four and a half, five hours a night, if you get that. Game nights after games, it's less, because if you won, you still want to get better at certain things. If you lost, you probably are tossing and turning about everything you could have done better. And that's for six months, seven months. Now that I don't have it, I'm diving in to so many different teams, uh, watching different guys play, end-of-game situations. Um, you know, I was texting this morning with Fran McCaffrey at Iowa. Just, you know, uh, you know, I had one thought for him offensively. Uh, you know, we went back and forth and exchanged, you know, just different things that, you know, I see. And then I might – you know, Brown plays Penn tonight. I mean, not, they don't play tonight. Brown plays, uh, I think it's Harvard, and then Penn plays Cornell. I'll do a split screen tonight, and I'll watch those <laughs> those two games at 7 tonight. Are you taking notes uh, while you're watching? It, 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 you know, oh, yeah, taking notes. Um, very Just treating it like, you know, this is my craft. And uh, you know, Dan Leibowitz at the Southeastern Conference is one of my best friends who brought me to Hartford. Uh, was the one that sort of said, make this a year of just your craft, just work on, you know, this is going to be, you're going to look back at this year. So there's so many different thoughts I give my friends. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've learned a ton, uh, 
just studying the game. What's the, what's the biggest uh, lesson you've learned this year, your first year, kind of getting a chance to catch your breath or take a breath? You know, I could dive in a, to so many different angles, but the special teams of basketball is the most underrated thing. So what is special teams? Baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds, end of game situations, out of timeouts. I look at out of timeouts as, you know, I thought we were pretty good at Hartford at that. But baseline out of bounds, defense, I see teams get beat on it. Um, you know, uh, my one of my best friends is the head coach at Sacramento State. His name's David Patrick, really good guy. Uh, they were in a crazy game last night against Idaho. Uh, it went overtime, and uh, he's done a great job at Sac State. So uh, I study a lot of different games and a lot of different teams, but I watched yesterday, you know, I watched the UMass Lowell game at 6 o'clock versus um, UMass Lowell played Maine, and the guy at Maine, Chris Markwood, done a great job uh, this year. And from 6 o'clock on till 1 o'clock in the morning when Gonzaga beat San Francisco <laughs> at the buzzer. My my old assistant is the head coach at San Francisco now, Chris Gerlison. He's from Westchester. Um, but, I, you know, I, I watch games for – that's what I do every night is just watch games. You know, and Gal, I think of us, you know, we're around the same age, but we're not so young anymore. So now you, who were part of – you know, the Leibowitz, the Speedy Morris, the Fran O'Hanlon coaching tree. Now you have your own coaching tree. What's, what yeah, is that yeah. like to see your guys in action, uh, you know, employing tactics that you conveyed to them? You know, I, the, the, I call him the kid. You know, Jared Von Rosenberg, who's the head coach of Texas Commerce down in Texas, they had a great win at Hawaii earlier in the season. And Hawaii's tough to win. It's a tough place to play. Um, but it was a great road win. And, you you know, I watched the end of the game and, you know, I called them afterward. And, you know, you get that feeling of, you know, what a great win. Where even Joe Zaglinski is the head coach of Archbishop Ryan and, uh, you know, in Philly, Philly Catholic League. And he took them to the Plushter and they lost in the championship game last year. But just to see him run – you know, he's, he's a great coach and uh, he's done a great job. So it's, it's great to watch, uh, you know, certain guys just get better and better at coaching. Yeah. And now you have had an esteemed career as a coach, 10 years at a mid-major. You take the program to their first NCAA tournament. How does a guy sustain a positive vibe and sustain success at a school, a mid-major for 10 years as a head coach? You know, I say this all the time to everyone. You know, it was actually 12 years, but it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's 12 years, okay? Not up. But um, you have to be able to, to endure pain. And uh, Fran O'Hanlon had a great line to me. And, you know, you I were said assistant this to somebody for him at Lafayette, for uh, people that don't know. He's been at yeah, Lafayette. Yeah, he's the forever. head coach for 20 years at Lafayette. Yeah. But uh, I had dinner with. Uh, uh, Father Rob Hagen, who's the uh, uh, chaplain of Villanova uh, for Jay Wright for all those years. He's now the head of the Augustinians and, uh, there now. Yeah, he's yeah. the best. Yeah. He's just he's just the best. So um, I said that, you know, last, uh, I think, the thought about Fran O'Hanlon is like, what did I learn in those two years? And um, he had these lines and this goes into coaching and how you do it. Uh, you have to be able to lie down with pain. Pain has to become a friend. And uh, you can't look at it like, because coaching in everything, I see these guys, I, I see guys that are winning. You know, Coach K won a lot, but he still had to deal with pain. I mean, there's pain in losing. There's pain in sustaining excellence and it, it has to become uh, a friend of yours and you have to be able to endure it and you have to be able to live with it. Um, and it is exhausting and you can't be afraid of scars and obviously not outside scars, but internally winning and losing matters so much. Um, 
and having alignment with your program. If I could, you know, I could write a book on this, just the alignment of everything you're doing uh, is so important. How hard is it to get the kids aligned with you and, and your mission? Well, I, I think, you know, it, so here's what happens. It gets old, it gets harder with uh, social media and distractions. So in the 80s and the 90s, uh, kids didn't have the distractions that they have today. Uh, so, so you could be, you know, especially at the high major level. So you could be living in Seattle, Washington and watching the Oklahoma-Texas game and watch the last three minutes and you could comment and the kid in Oklahoma could read a comment not have any basis of anything and that comment is in the conscious like that wouldn't happen in 1996 97 when we made the sweet 16 and rashid bay and yah davis were playing they didn't have those distractions how how did you manage that as a coach well i think really setting the tone um early often about what the program is about and the culture we call it the neighborhood what this neighborhood's about and this is our neighborhood and everyone we want everyone in the neighborhood but the reality of it is when we take the floor we're representing them but they're not inside this room right now okay so what we have to do we love your parents i love them i they could be in the locker room is what we do together okay and that's the that's the craziest thing for me is i've worked every christmas for 20 i've been in a room for 25 years this is the first christmas i haven't worked christmas night think about that for a second i haven't been on the road i mean i worked christmas night and that's just what you did um and I, i i back to the distraction is Nowadays, kids have more in their ear than they've ever had. So there's just a, um, it, 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 you as a head coach have to communicate the mission on a daily basis, on a daily basis. Is there anything black and white you do that, hey, uh, we're going to get on the bus to the arena or, you know, for this short trip, uh, you know, to Connecticut? I want everybody to put their, phones in, in, in a bag or in anything like that? Well, two things we talked about. Do the right thing and be all time. They're the only, they're the two non-negotiables. Okay. Do the right thing and be on time. So, we, you know, I stole that from Franny O. And I Um, what are we doing here, Rusty? What are we going to do? Uh, yep, we're doing the uh, King of the Hill Rewatch Podcast. King of the Hill yes, Rewatch Podcast. Yeah, so we're going to go through one episode at a time. Uh, come along for the ride with us. Come check it out. And hey, give me give me a good um, like Dale Gribble quote to go out on. Wingo! Yeah, Wingo. <laughs> Wingo. Wingo. All right. Well, join us. Uh, join us for uh, the uh, King of the Hill Rewatch Podcast. Live in the heart of Texas. That drinks his brew and he spits his chew. Live in the heart of Texas. The TV players, but no one cares. Live in the heart of Texas. Here we go. 911, what's your emergency? Do you hear that? It's coming from the house. It's coming from inside the house? Uh, Do you mean, could it be? The The Poltergeist House. New from Rogue Media, two haunted hotties talking about haunted places. Every episode, we dive deep into the darkest places and give you a bit of history. We're getting spooky in all the right places. You've gobbled your last ghoul. 
Follow along for the craziest and spookiest stories with Debbie's Dark Tourism. The Stanley Hotel, Winchester House, The Alamo, Hotel Monte Vista, and more spooky places. Find us at the underscore Poltergals. P-O-L-T-E-R-G-A-L-S. Look over your shoulder. It's us, the Poltergals. Wherever you consume the podcast, you can find us there. Hey y'all, I'm April. Hi, I'm Caroline. And we have a new podcast for you. What's it called, Caroline? Uh, Bloody Happy Hour. It's going to be your new favorite guilty pleasure. We're going to talk about some bloody stuff. Serial killers. True crime. Rape. <laughs> Rapists. Why not join us? We'll have a good time. You literally never know. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> bloody Happy Hour. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And Fran, why did you talk that? Because you know, like my first couple years, we had these rules, and we kept adding to them. Like Thirty-nine, forty, and I'm reading them. I'm just saying, this is just too much. He ripped it up and said, "Do the right thing, be on time." And that's what you would tell your Simplify. kids. Simplify. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is what we're going to be about. So if you're late for class because you saw somebody fall and break their arm and you got them to the hospital, you did the right thing. Okay. I want to backtrack a little bit. You talked about the Sweet 16, and I want to get into your career as a player and obviously early coaching, but you transferred from Catholic to St. Joe's in 1996. Your first team, you guys get a four seed in the West, you go to the Sweet 16. What does what jumps out at you about that year? What do you remember about that year? So the, the big the things that jump out at me. The Big East got five teams in. The Atlantic Ten got five teams in. Wow! All right, it was the heyday of the Atlantic Ten. Uh, Boston College was the Big East winner. We were the St. Joe's was the we were the Big East. We were the Atlantic Ten winner. We played in the second round of the NCAA tournament, all right, in Utah, uh, Salt Lake City at the University of Utah. And we won a double overtime game against Boston College. Donia Abrams, really, really good player. And uh, it was, a, it, I, could, I could still remember thinking to myself, um, we opened the year up to Duke by 31 at Duke. And Duke got knocked out in the second round by Providence and Sham God and Pete Gillen's Providence team. Yeah. We made the Sweet 16. Villanova lost to Tony Gonzalez in California in the second round. And I'll never forget getting on the bus and thinking to myself, I don't know what's better, us getting into the Sweet 16 or us going further than Villanova. <laughs> and that, that, you know... That sort of um, that sort of like stood out to me, uh, and now you fast forward it and you look at what Jay Wright's done, and I actually talked about it with Father Hagen about this. Like in the nineties, like you got to think about this. In the nineties, if Villanova beat Temple, you were shocked. Mm -hmm. You were shocked. I, I'm not like you know. Temple had five great eight teams. Think about that for a second. John Cheney had five great eight teams. Um, you know, we in Philadelphia have two of the best coaches that have ever coached in college basketball. I mean, by the and you could add Fran Dumpy as the third, and in my humble opinion, you could add Phil Martelli as a fourth. And that's how. So you, you got know, John Cheney, and then, Jay Wright, Fran Dumpy, and Phil Martelli. And then my opinion is if if LaSalle had stayed in the MAC, you'd be talking about Speedy Mars. Yeah. They, they, the Speedy's thing got screwed up because they went to a Midwest conference and, and they're after their heyday. 
they stayed in the MAC, uh, you would not think LaSalle, Les, Speedy, honest to God, yeah, LaSalle would, would have won eight to ten more. They would have had eight to ten more NCAA tournaments. By the, by the and time that's you, where, like, go ahead. you know. Say that again? No, you were, you were saying, and that's where, like, what? Like, people don't understand bigger is not always better. Everyone's chasing something in college athletics that might not fit your university. Yes. Yeah. And so, so look, LaSalle's in a great league now. John Genie got him to the Sweet 16, which was unbelievable and tells you what Dr. G did there. Yeah. But, like, what is sustainable? What is sustainable? Well, and we could have a whole nother yeah. podcast about that. I mean, that's where, you know, college athletics and border regions, whoever has the coach has the athletic directors here or whatever, where the money's coming from. They want a lot of times that big time appeal and, and they'll sell their soul for it. Right. And, 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 and a lot of these schools don't know who they are and, and that's the unfortunate reality. Well, it's, it's also what it, what is being, what the deeper issue is, what is the mission? What's the mission? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think what you, you have to feel, uh, as you know, there's a seismic shift about to happen. And, um, uh, you know, whether we like it or not, uh, the, like the SEC, um, it's going to dictate, you know, you know, and then follow the Big Ten. It's going to dictate a lot of how college athletics goes in the next uh, twenty-five to forty years. You know, the next, the next, you know, couple decades. I want, I want to backtrack a couple decades and go back to you. You you get done that Sweet Sixteen appearance. You guys lose to Kentucky, right? And yeah, now now you got a couple more years at St. Joe's. What are you learning about yourself? As a, as a person and a man, and and when what is grabbing you about being a coach? Did you know then? Hey, I'm 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 a coach. You know, I I think uh, now that I look back on it, there was not much thought. It's just who I was. You know, there wasn't much contemplation. It's just what I was going to do. You know, um, I think. Uh, I look back and just how lucky I was to be around Speedy Mars, Phil Martelli, uh, you know, to have a mentor like Steve Dunning, to have Dan Leibowitz in my life, to have, you know, all these, you know, great Roland Houston, older, uh, older guys that sort of, you know, made such an impression on me now that I look back on it, on, um, you know, really, you know, you hear this term servant leadership, but like, you, you got to feel it, you got to do it and, uh, you have to be about it. And I think, uh, I just learned from so many different, uh, different coaches on how, uh, the right way is. And, uh, you know, and the, obviously it's capped off by the two years spending with Franny O, which were. I used to say this about Franio. If you like basketball and you work for Franio, you're in trouble because you're gonna you're gonna end up not liking it. If you love basketball, it's ecstasy. It's basketball heaven. Because every day, you know, it's X and O and it's it's getting better, it's drills, it's how do we get this kid better? I'll never forget we went into the office in July. He had the minutes up on the board. Here's who I think's doing this. This is what. How do we win these games? Like it was like it was like in July. How are we winning games? And we were the only team with no scholarships, and everybody else in the Patriot League had scholarships. We won 14 games that year. In all my mind, I look back at it, and it's the greatest coaching job I've ever seen anyone ever. Imagine a whole league having scholarships, you don't, and you win 14 games. How, what's the most what's the most impactful thing you saw him do 
you know, so many, but the, the most impactful is practice was like gold to him. Those two hours and 20 minutes we prepared and they were gold. And that was how we got better. Um, and he, he never got too high. He never got too low. And that was a real, that's a real thing for me because I can get really high and I can get really low. And as I got older, uh, even, even my last couple of years, you know, we lose a game. I'd be out of the locker room in 30 seconds after a tough loss. Address the team. Nothing high, nothing low. See you guys tomorrow. Nothing good's going to be accomplished in the locker room after losing a tough game. Zero. And that just I've too just that. too emotional. Zero. Too close to it. It's too close to it. Yeah. I stopped watching the game. I stopped watching the game film after the games because I'd watch them, and then I chew. I chew on the game. The game's over. There's not, nothing <laughs> to get up. I, you know, I get to bed now. I would get to bed at eleven. I'd get up at 5.36, I'd start watching the game, and now you're non-emotional. Here's how we get better. What, what, this is how we get better. What kind of teammate were you? Uh, first off, I look back at it, I was not a, I, I was not a great player. You know, I thought I was. <laughs> you were. Look, I got a chance to watch you. I played at Carroll until my senior year when I focused on football, and I, I remember getting a chance to go watch O'Hara and Carroll play. You know, I was I was now a fan, uh, and it was at, it was in Springfield. It was at O'Hara. Gym was packed, and I remember thinking, like, man, Gal is just a tough mf'er. I mean, you were just going at everybody, and so where you weren't good, you you were you were great. You know, in the, in the aspects of the intangibles, and you and you took that into college, and I think you you had to have made your teammates better. Right, even though you say yeah, yourself you you weren't a great player. No, I mean I, I just I was a lot of heart, a lot of soul, and uh, you know I loved being a teammate. Did I you did teammates, you drive your teammates crazy in practice? I, I pushed them hard. I you know I, I try to make everyone accountable, and, <laughs> but I also I also um, you know I look I look at the English dictionary. I don't think there's a better word than a teammate. And I think our, I think our world, if you want to get deeper, I think instead of uh, more Democrats and more Republicans, we need better teammates. And, uh, you know, that's my one pitch to everybody right now is, you know, let's go back to just being teammates. Uh, and that's, you know, there's nothing more beautiful than, than a teammate in the English dictionary. What's the number one thing you learned from Phil Martelli while you were at St. Joe's? Well, uh, you know, there's so many. I mean, look, all these guys, like if I could take one thing offensively and one thing defensively, Phil out of timeouts was the best I've ever been around, out of timeouts. He was getting he was getting a shot for his best player or one of his best players or the guy that was hottest. Defensively, uh, you know, he, he was just rock solid, and we were really tough, really, really tough. But more than that, like his unconditional love for his players and the confidence that he instilled in you, the confidence that he, he gave you, uh, and his organization. He was a really organized on what he wanted to do and what he wanted to get accomplished. Um, and, you know, he, he loved the love for his players. How do you motivate your players and people? I think it's way, I, I, for me, it's really getting to know them. It's really, really getting to know them. Like I, I say, and this isn't a cliche, but I used to say, like, you come to Hartford, so 10 years from now, there'll be two tables of the neighborhood at your wedding. And we've had, Wes Cole got married in, in, uh, in Dallas, Texas. I think there was three tables. <laughs> and, you know, there, there's... Uh, you know, Andres Torres, uh, uh, you know, so many guys, Anthony Meyer got my, married. I mean, I can lift, there were three tables. And like, what happens is uh, you get to know these guys so intimately, they become a part of your family. Legit. That's, yes. Yeah. Like, 
that's the thing that is most touching about what, you know, the messages I got from former players. And, uh, you know, even like when we made the NCAA tournament, I want you to think about this for a second. We go to Indianapolis. It's COVID. Baylor's number one in the country. And Baylor had like 250 fans. We have 450, right? This is this is a school that's never been there. So we got, and I look up and like, had to be 30, 30 of my guys that played in the last 10 years there. And like, I, in my mind, I'm like, like, look, this is, this is, forget about, forget about making it. This is winning. This is winning. And uh, for them to be, uh, you know, like, my son's nine years old and, you know, he, he, he talks to me about one of my former uh, players is the uh, uh, grad assistant at UConn now. And so we watched UConn and my son, Jack says, you know, Jr. you know, how good was Jr. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, Jr. could play anywhere in the country. If you play for me in your fourth year, you can go anywhere and play. Because we have a system, we have a we teach you how to play, but we really teach you how to be a great teammate, and that is more important. And that, I mean, that's that that comes, you know, as my best buddy, that's a Navy SEAL, Coleman Ruiz says, that's that's in second grade. You learn that in first and second grade. Do the right thing, be on time, you know, just stay in disciplined on your vision of how you want to get things done. Yeah, and that's interesting because you say. You learn it, but do you employ it, right? Do you do it? And that's staying disciplined, right? Like ev every single day is really, that's winning, and, and that's how you achieve success, I would imagine, somebody of your ilk coaching those guys. Yeah, and, and communicating to people early on, no one's coming for you. You have to come for you. So you have to be your own best friend. You have to be your own best teammate. Nobody's and coming to help you, you out. Get like we're going to support you but we're never going to do things to enable you so we'll give you an example i got to hartford and one of my assistants is like look we have to check these classes yeah right uh-huh and i'm never forget this like so this is probably one of the best stories ever so i, I go from LaSalle to lafayette and I'm in the office. I said, Fran, do you want me to check any classes? Ch Francis, can you shut the door? Shut the door. <laughs> and shut, uh, sit down. For people that don't man, know, in college wanna... athletics, they will have coaches. Literally, you'll be walking into a place where you take class, and there's Coach Gallagher outside being like, okay, Pete's coming to class. Like for me at Richmond, Coach Hanson. Oh, uh, there you are. You know, like check, check it off. And, and when you saw the coaches, you walked up to the building. It was always like a little jarring. Like, oh, God, they are doing this. Or, oh, he is here. All right, so go ahead. So, yes. so you and Fran O'Hanlon so are this, talking. Yeah, he shuts the door, and this is one of the great things I I took from Fran. And uh, I said, uh, Fran said, "Look, we're never going to check a class. I'm going to fire my assistants if I have to check a class." And I thought to myself, "I got to this. That's fascinating." So I took that at Hartford, and when we when we got there, GPAs weren't good. And we just said, look, we're, we're not, we're not checking class. And what happens is everyone starts to be understand that we're not, I'm not going to check a class. So you stay eligible so I can keep my job. It's not, we're going to do things the right way, treat you like a man and you're going to stay responsible. And then it's going to be a part of our culture that you do the right thing. It's not that hard. If I'm checking classes, what happens when you're 24 and you have a credit card bill bill? What happens when you have a rent bill bill? You're not paying that? Who's going to be watching your shoulder? Just so we enabled you so you could stay eligible? We didn't teach you anything about life. You know, you hear that too. Fed. You hear that too, gal. Like guys, 
get out of the, the, that, the neighborhood or the system or whatever it is, and they go into free fall because they've had these, you, right? They've had such parameters up and such, such, such uh, garters. And they, they, and you know, the old, the old saying, you know, teach a man if, how to fish he eats for a lifetime, feed him a fish he eats for a day. Yeah. You know, we want to, we want to, you know, it was reversed. I think it's reversed, but that we want to, we want to really guide you on your journey of how you should be living your life to be the best version of yourself. Not so you stay eligible so you can get a basket for me to win a game. That's <laughs> that's some low level. That's some low level stuff, man. For uh, me, uh, back for to me. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not living that. I'm not living that way. Well, and back to your story. You you coach for Fran O'Hanlon, right? And and then after that, you go to Penn, and you coach for with with Dan Leibowitz for Dan Leibowitz, right? No, no. I go I go from Lafayette to. Hartford, James Hartford. coach at Hartford. Gotcha. Okay. And and then I go from Hartford to Penn with Glenn Miller and Jerome Allen, and then I go from Hartford to Boston College for eleven days. Oh, so that's what I wanted to ask you about. So yes. what what is that like? You get a job at BC. You're going to be an assistant for Steve Donahue, right? And yep. All of a sudden, you get the head coaching job at Hartford. Bring us inside. That, that 10, 11 day stretch of the madness of being a coach. I was flying to Australia to recruit a kid named Hugh Greenwood, who ended up in New Mexico, was one of the best guards in the Mountain West for Boston College. Um, and uh, I'll never forget, I was there and uh, I was about to get on a flight the next day and they called me. And they said, uh, you're one of three. Um, and I said, I have bad news for you. I said, uh, I'm not going to do that to Steve. I'm not going to, uh, I'm either one of one or I got to move on because I have to, I have to get things going here at BC. And, uh, I said, look, you saw me coach, you know who I am. If you need to do interviews and have me dance around uh, committees, it's just not, you know, it's not going to work for me. And not that it wouldn't, I wouldn't do it at other places, but I was there. They knew me. I interviewed, you know, as Fran O'Hanlon says, every day's an interview when you're in a place. Every day's an interview when you're working, you know. Um, and I ended up, uh, I ended up, uh, I'll never forget this. I ended up, she, the, the AD at the time was Pat Miser, who is one of my, she's a great woman. She's a great AD. She really, really helped me. So she, she says to me, let me call you back in five minutes. She calls me back in five minutes and says, can you be at my house in 15 minutes? I know. Can you be at my house tonight? I said, I'm on 84. I can be at your house in 15 minutes. I'm passing Hartford now. <laughs> I was there at her house 15 minutes late. We got into her kitchen. We talked for two and a half hours. We talked about things. She called the president. I'll never forget this. Walt Harrison is very well known in NCA. He created the APR, which was very one of the best legislations the NCA has ever done. And um, I went to Walt's house and I still remember this like Walt was uh, there and like you know uh, press conference we'll do tomorrow and I'll never forget this is one of the craziest feelings of my life I call my mom I, you know call my family and I just said you're not going to believe it I'm a division one head coach 30, I think 31 or 32 at the time. And they, I was I was down at the Marriott downtown Hartford. I go, I put my bag in the room. I, I have my suit on. I lay down on the bed. I fall asleep for three hours. <laughs> I was so mentally exhausted. 
I wake up, it's 2.30 in the morning. I'll never forget. I was like, holy cow. So I had to get my you know, stuff together, a shower, and my phone you know, has blown up now, right? Probably 100 text messages because it's out there. So I had the press conference, and um, I get done, and I now have to put a team together. And that's that's like the the most craziest thing is like you get a job and you're a first time head coach and you have to hire staff, you have to get the players, and you have to get the schedule, and you have to talk to all these alums. And it's just it's a lot, and you're just drinking from a fire hose for a year or twelve, really. Well, what, what's, what's, man, in, you get it. Yeah. You get into a rhythm. Yeah. So it's not drinking. It's nothing's like your first year. You, Nothing. you, you get a job as a head coach. What's the one thing that, that, that people don't know about being a head coach that's, that's difficult and that's taxing something people don't know. I mean, it's just such a big job. Every, every night you're responsible for, you know, you know, 15 student athletes, managers, assistant coaches. In college, it's different than the pros. If someone gets into uh, an incident on campus, and I don't know why it's this way, it just is this way. You're responsible. Yeah. If it happens in the NBA, the team's never responsible. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, um, so you're responsible and uh, you you have to live with uh, a weight on you. Uh, like if you said to me, like, how, what's the thing that's most interesting about this time for me is the, like, I, I'm just responsible for my four children. And it's it's cry it's crazy the timing and that's why being an assistant you have to support that head coach because there's a lot of weight on his shoulders so it's important to hire guys that understand that i would imagine and hire guys that um i i i i really believe this hire assistants that really feel pain after losses with you and 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 you're going your program is going to get better, because um, during the season you can't rebuild your house. It's all duct tape and crazy glue. It's 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 like all right, we got to fix this. All right, boom, get the crazy glue there. Boom. After the season, you can bring players in. You can add pieces. You can build your. You know, you can add to your. But during the season, your foundations, your principles, they'll stay the same. But like the wall holding up, everything's duct tape and crazy glue during the season. So you need guys that understand how important every possession is. You know, that's the thing about college basketball. I mean, Brad Stevens used to have has a great line. It's like, we're three possessions away on both sides of the ball from being a great defensive team or being a bad defensive team. And that's the fine numbers. That's the, that's like the fine line. Oklahoma's two possessions away in both games of being two and oh. Yeah. In the big 12. I can go through it. San Francisco is two possessions away from being, you know, three possessions away. Maybe not the San Diego game they lost, but, Santa Clara and Gonzaga, they led for 39 minutes and changed in the Gonzaga game last night. It's a fine line in this profession and getting assistants that understand how you can just every day is 1% better, just a little better. So Don't when, get caught in the emotion of winning and losing. Just keep getting better. When you were with, with Leibowitz at, at Hartford, uh, you guys go to the first, I guess, conference championship, and then 
you yep. end up like you just took us through the story. You get hired as head coach there. So now the the work is on you, and the work is cut out for you. I, I've always thought this about Hartford. It's it's the biggest. It's the most one of the most big time mid major jobs because you're right there. You're in ESPN's backyard. There's just a lot of media in that area, in the Hartford area, or close to New York City, close to Boston. You know the deal. Not too far from Philly and the metro areas. What was that undertaking like for you to take this program that was almost kind of, I'm going to say like on life support, I can say that, and then you get him to the NCAA tournament. You, you, one, you, you should have gotten him twice. The one year, you know, COVID just wipes it out. Uh, and then the next year during COVID, yeah. you, you, get, you get to the NCAA tournament. What, what's that process like, building a program, building a winner? It's one of the, like, it, it's it's a feeling you can't, when you win that, that game, it's like a, Tom Brennan from Vermont said this to me, uh, like eight years ago, he said, when you win it, it'll be a feeling like no other. It's only equal to having your children. I wouldn't say having my, having the birth of my kids is number you know is the best thing that's ever happened to me. But five, number five on that list after the four kids, is taking the team to the NCAA tournament. No feeling like it. There's nothing. There's zero like it uh, from a professional standpoint. Because look, they've never been to the NCAA tournament. Ever. Get them there, and. Um, you know, I just think the, one of the hardest things was when they canceled the game that COVID year. We were we really thought we were winning at Vermont. We 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 lost by one at the buzzer. You know, we had uh, Malik Ellison, who's a you know playing in the NBA now. Um, we we had some really good players. We had a great. We were rolling. We were we got it going. Uh, we had beat Stony Brook at Stony Brook in a great game, and we just felt the energy. And uh, you know, then they canceled it. You know, I always say Rudy Gobert ended ended it ended the Rudy Gobert. It would have been stopped, but I think it would have been like a week later. Yeah, Rudy Gobert and that whole craziness in that press conference ended the NCAA. Stopped it. And that was a year that you guys would have gotten in. You you do get in the next year, and there's such a celebration and such a feeling. And then you know I'm not breaking any news here. You, word comes down that the school's going to go to Division Three. Uh, I got to imagine that's a swift kick in the nuts. How do you respond to, to that uh, as a leader of these of these men? I mean, that is you talk about not too high, not too low. Learning from Fran O'Hanlon to steady the ship. Uh, what do you do? So this is what I want to say because I, I want to move past it and I move past it. It's, the universe is here to support us. Anything that happens that has happened, um, I'm, I'm grateful to Hartford for the – I just look at it like gratefulness. So grateful. I am – I learned how to coach. They gave me a gift. This is how I view my – it was a gift – Everything I learned was a gift. I'm prepared, and I don't mean to say this in any joke. I can coach anywhere now. I first got that job. I would have been fired if I was at a mid-major power in three, four years. Why would you have gotten fired? I, I just was, you know, I, I was, wasn't, wasn't, not that I wasn't ready. I, I just. I didn't, I needed to be scarred. I needed to be beat up and I got beat up. Yeah. I know about that. Was, like from I'm, a personal uh, perspective, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I'm really, uh, my personality needed the humility. Uh, I needed it. I needed it. And, got, and by the grace of God, that experience gave me such great humility. And I have great confidence, don't get me wrong, um, but my confidence is very, very, very um, 
filled with great humility on just the respect I have for coaches, other coaches, what other people are going through. Um, you know, not, you know, I don't coach with an ego. Kid makes a mistake. I don't take it personal anymore. <laughs> I don't look at him like, you know, you think he's trying to make a mistake? You think he's going out there and say, let me piss off Coach Gallagher and make a mistake. As a young head coach, you might have a little of that. What are you doing? I don't do any of that. Way, way, way different. How has that in- intensive coaching helped you as a parent? Just amazing. I mean, I think when uh, when we look at coaching, um, it's like, we, there's a seismic shift when when we as coaches go from you know, Jackie Robinson's line of it's way better uh, to be understood than try to understand or no better to person. understand you know? yeah than under- yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so I try to put myself in every player's shoes now you know what's what's everyone going through. And I, that's why body language is so important. And you want to be able to really bring a guy to the side during foul shooting and say, what's going on? Everything all right? Talk to me. I know you're not yourself. It's okay. The old me would have been like, I would have, I would have came at him a little harder. Yeah. So you, there's a, there's a, there's, what's that? No, go ahead. Go ahead. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, you know, like the neighborhood, like if you see somebody struggling, you go help them. And that's where we kind of developed that whole neighborhood. Um, let me go talk to him. And you know what? Let me let you know what might I'm gonna address it after practice. Come on up in the office. What's going on? You know, my my mom's not doing good, or you know, my aunt got sick, or uh, I understand. I got it. I understand. And then you you develop this rapport. And you develop this rapport, and then it snowballs. Everybody in the program knows we're all on each other's team here, and that's what you saw the last four or five years of our program. It's just a seismic love, and sometimes it's tough love, but it's not tough love ninety percent of the time. And they embody, they embodied your change, my growth. Yeah, uh, my full growth. A couple more things before I and let then, you. And listen, here. I'll never forget yeah. this. I, you know. We we had we had a team that started three I think it was three and seven or two and seven. Team won nineteen games. We went on a hellacious run. They were firing me, and I brought the <laughs> team in, brought the chairs around. I just said, "Look, they're firing me after this week, but I need to be at your wedding. So I'm not ripping you, Jack Hobbs." So I said to Jack, "So Jack, I'm not ripping you. Jack was shooting like twenty five percent at the time." If Jack had shot thirty three, we'd be we'd be seven and two, not two and seven. <laughs> but um, Jack was like a son to me. Dick Hobbs is his father. Uh, Dick Hobbs is in my family. Matt Hobbs is, you know, played. Both brothers played for me. Andy Hobbs is the mom. Amazing family, Anchorage, Alaska. They've been in my home. Here I got a kid that wants to win so bad for me that his pressure's on him. So I just said, dude, I love you. We're not going to – we went on a roll. So we go down to Florida International, win there. Florida International just beat Florida Gulf Coast by 25. We win in Miami. After, think about this. We go to Rutgers, Steve Peichel and Rutgers, Okay. Go to Albany. They're fourteen and two. Albany with Will Brown. Fourteen and two. 25, 20 in the first half. Win the game. I think by ten. And I'll never forget this. It was the three best road wins in the history of Hartford in a row. In a row. And it was because I just sat down and said, "Look, I love you guys. This is." This is just too much pressure for, for everyone. So here's the deal. They're going to fire me 
don't worry about it. And uh, it started the best five-year run in the history of the school. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm actually finishing up this, the Jimmy Johnson book, and he talks about that, about how the ability when he understood to take the pressure off of his players and, and not do something crazy in the public, but just or, or be like, hey, we're, we're, we're absolutely going to win this game. We're going to beat San Francisco in the NFC Championship. And while initially guys were like, hey, what the heck, all of a sudden you're, they realize that they're out there and they're playing free again. And like whatever your method is to do that, and I don't understand it because I've never done it, but I find it very interesting and inspiring that you guys, coaches, understand that, hey, I see these guys there's too much on them. It's like you said, being able to understand the body language. I got, I, I got to relieve this for them. They're pressing too hard. They're playing more than a game. They're yeah. playing more than a game. They're playing something else. It's foreign. They're doing things that are just not themselves. So you have to take pressure off of them. And we went on a run, uh, it's hard to believe the, 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 the run we went on. Uh, and that's why I'm just grateful. I'm just so grateful for the experience. Um, you know, I feel like I, I will get another shot at it and I've learned so much. And the next one, it won't take me long. I, I just know who I am. It's going to be quicker and, um, you know, it's going to be fun. And I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. This is what I do. And uh, I love it, but it's it's a combination of you know the integrity you have to have with yourself in this journey. You know, understanding what you're here to do for the student athletes and how you have to serve them. A couple more things before I, before I let you get back to, to your busy life. Because this is, I, I, I could keep you here all day, John, just so you know. So this, could I. Yeah. So could I. Uh, a couple more things. You, you, who you, do, you step aside. You step away from Coach at Hartford. Who, who gives you, what phone call do you get that surprises you the most from somebody? I, I think in moments like that, we always, I think uh, sometimes our eyes are opened by, by the people that care about us that we don't think about. And uh, who is that person for you? Um, the most touching phone call was from um, George Bodenheimer, one of the founders of ESPN, one of the first guys at ESPN. And he just lived in the area and just the class and dignity that, you know, he wrote a book, I read the book, and um, just the, uh, and the subsequent conversations with him, um, just I mean, what a gentleman, what a loved, what a, what a, what an amazing gentleman. And, uh, you know, he was, he was really, um, just, you know, just so, um, you know, I would just say like caring, like, you know, let me, let me, let's go to, let, let's see how we can help your next steps and, you know, I've, I've watched what you do and I saw you speak at Southington and I want to let you know, you know, George Bodenheim was the one that you know, was the most touching. And there's so many. Yeah, I would imagine. There was so, so many. And like I got so many touching phone, phone calls from everybody around the country. And uh, but um, George Bodenheimer jumped out the, the most. What about, uh, you know, you oversee all operations as a head coach. What's the uh, just the craziest turn a road trip has ever taken for you that you've had to oversee? Whether like like a travel thing or whatever. I mean, I can't imagine all the trips you've been on where stuff has gone sideways. Where you got to be like, all right, guys, we're gonna we're going to the ballroom. We're gonna practice two hours there. What's what's one of those that jumps out at you? One of the funniest, or <laughs> not funny, but craziest. Yeah. Things, uh, uh, I ended up, we beat New Hampshire getting, and the bus driver get on the bus. He's like, look, when we drive an hour south, it's a blizzard. Uh, so we got to figure this out. 
Uh, snow's bad here, but not it's worse. About 30 minutes, 40 minutes south. We were on uh, the highway and cars were just pulled over. And I'll never forget his face. And I said, are you okay? He said, we're in trouble. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He goes, we're not getting home tonight. And I'll never forget. He's like, we need to get a hotel around here. So we had to figure out where we were. We had to get a hotel. And we had to walk from the highway <laughs> to the hotel. What were the guys like? So we had to get our I mean, the guys were like, I mean, first off, I was, you know, you're responsible for everybody, right? There's no, there's nobody driving. So you're like, all right, how are we getting to the hotel? Where is it located? How long is the walk? Uh, you can't stay on the bus. So we got it. This is an emergency situation. So you got to call. You know, first thing you do always as a head coach is you call the AD. You call the people above you. Say, this is where we are. I want to get, you know, let you know this is what we're doing. You have a problem with it. And the first thing they say is, what are your options? Well, we have one option. The, the bus <laughs> shut down. And, you know, the bus is done. I mean, there's no, you can't put the heat on. It's done. And uh, I said, we have one option. We have to get to the hotel. So we'll like get there and stay put until we get a bus to you tomorrow morning. So we ended up staying there. And, but it was, it was like a two, you, you were, you were figuring out like, you know, in New England, especially these storms can just pop up. I mean, that's, and that's, that's what, the family, the neighborhood, that, that stuff is all about. I love stories like that. What's a movie that inspires you the most? Uh, for our program and for, for, you know, I know it's weird, but like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I always talk about it like just getting through, you know, you know, I think that's one that, you know, Andy Dufresne is one of the best characters of all time. And that's that's it. I think Robbins. Uh, yeah, Tim Robbins. That's who he played in that movie. Yeah, unbelievable character. Yeah. What What about Andy uh, Dufresne? What about the the best uh, basketball player that you've either coached or seen or played against that, that nobody's heard of? Yeah, Davis. I mean, he, he was. A, I think he was a lottery pick if he stayed in college. I thought he could have been ten year NBA All Star. To tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, I that one hurts because I love him so much. You know, I, I, he's like a brother to me. Um, and then there's just guys out there that, um, you know, the best guy I played in college uh, was Lamar Odom, and then the best, uh, best obviously high school player, you know, term pro was uh, Kobe. Kobe was unbelievable. What's uh, just unbelievable? What's next for John Gal? I mean, there's I, I got to imagine there's a lot of options. We'll close with this. What's I mean? What's what's next for you? You know, one of the biggest things I've done is just tried to really study and be just be. You know, we're not human doings; we're human beings, and we. My personality is the do do do. What's the checklist? What are we doing? What are we cracking down? And uh, just really studying what what sort of you know what is what's next for me and uh you know uh just sort of letting that appear um i know i love the game i know uh i just have a i could watch i could watch games for 12 straight hours and like i got to bed last night at like 1 30 after the gonzaga game and i think in like you know as a coach, you always say, what would you do here? What would you do there? What would you do here? And one thing in the San Francisco game, and, you know, I've never seen this before. There were, I think there were two timeouts back-to-back -back on baseline out-of-bounds. 
So they called timeout back to back because Gonzaga. So San Fran had no timeouts left. It's something I've never thought about. I think we have to teach like when I get my job, I wrote this down. Like throw it off the guy's leg. You gotta teach it. Because you you gotta have a timeout. And, and look, San Francisco scored a three on the next timeout. So it, it worked out for Chris. He did they he went from three to six. Um and I don't know if you watched Chris Chris Gosson to head coach to San Fran. They beat UNLV, they beat Arizona State. They've had great wins. They look great. Uh, I thought that, I think they're an NCAA tournament team. So I just think, you know, as a coach, a lot of people would be tired at 1.30 in the morning. For me, it's always learning. And I'm thinking at 1.30 in the morning, like, you know, when I get my next team, what, what, you know, you start dreaming again. And I think as you get older, um, if you're still dreaming, you're still living. That's it, man. We'll end with that. Dude, I'm ready to go play for you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Pete. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. We are Rogue Media Sports.